Oh, I just got really fuzzy. I'm going to unfuzz myself. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 141 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan the Organ Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And if you're somehow uh, feeling like a prehistoric dog, all the arrows would suggest you're probably too high to listen to this podcast. But to be honest, it's probably the best way. How does somebody feel like a prehistoric dog for a start? Well, well they could what feel, does that entail? Well, you could feel so rough, <laughs> dog pun, um, that you feel like an oh, old dog. Fucking kill during... me. Kill me. I'm not kill barking me. mad for coming up with this. Oh, I hate my life. <laughs> oh. I, I nearly logged off then. I nearly logged off. What, mentally? Go, do you know what? Do you know what? You fucking do the rest of this shit. <laughs> this week's guest is bassist, frontman, vocalist, and one-time stand-up comedian, the ever-lovely Aaron Beam of Red Fang. Yes, and this is a beautifully chaotic episode as it can get. Red Fang are a band known for killer riffs, party atmospheres, and just good times. Their label... And the best music videos. The best music videos. So, so funny. Carry on, sorry, Mog. No, totally agree. And their label even quotes them as saying they're Portland's beer-crushing, zombie-killing, air guitar contest judging, stoner metal heroes, which couldn't be more perfect. I feel yes. they've become a real band's band over the last decade, not only for their music ability, but always producing hilarious music videos and not taking themselves too serious. So with the release of the band's new fifth studio record, Arrows, available worldwide now, we had to get Aaron on to give us an insight into their mad, mad world. But Sean, I know this is a band that Bob... Snoz and a lot of the blackout was put on back in the old days, traveling in the van and just having a laugh at all their wild concepts. Yes. Uh, yeah. You've never seen a band um, with such funny videos, I think. Um, yeah. I became aware of them uh, after a video called Wires, I believe, where they had like they took their record label bun- budget and just spent it on wacky shit. You definitely have to go check out. Check out Wires. Check out Arrows. 
Um, check out everything they've got out because they're all funny and they're all they all seem like really really nice guys. And um, this was our first chat with Aaron. Despite finding out that we were definitely in the same place in 2013, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic chat, and yeah, it was. I, I found it super interesting that he tried his hand at comedy yeah. because I guess anybody who's listened to any of these episodes probably thinks, oh, that twat Sean thinks he's funny. He probably <laughs> and I do. I would like a go at the stand-up comedy. So it was good to hear from somebody else. But yeah, I can't get over that he did it once. It went so well that he was like, oh, cool. I never need to do that again now. Because I'd be longing to do it again. But well done to Aaron for completing stand-up. Yeah, who would Some would thought? say that's a 100% record. He might be the most successful comedian <sighs> of all time, really. Well, we can definitely tweet that we've got the most successful comedian of all time on the podcast this week now. So there One we are. One show... Yeah, one show, one killer audience. Like, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, job done. Like. That's, yeah. that's all it takes. But no, we're going to get an insight into that one comedy genius stand-up set and a host of different things from the album's delay and excitement that they've got new music out for the first time in five years, their famous video concepts, working for an animation studio, wasting money, touristy things in the UK that we didn't even know about, and a lot of unexpected connections to one James Hetfield from Metallica. Yeah, I don't know why my mind kept going to Metallica when we were talking to him. I think it's because Red Fang are like big story riffs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, absolutely fucking fantastic chat. Thank you so, so, so much to Aaron, everybody involved in making this happen. It was good to meet him. I hope we get to do one in the flesh because I think that could be fun and funny. Yes. So, uh, yeah, thanks to Aaron, thanks to Red Fang. Yeah, make sure you check out their new album, Arrows. Yes, it's got some absolutely awesome riffs. And just before we go Oof. into the conversation, as always, we'd just like to remind you, if you enjoy these podcasts, if you like having a laugh with what me and Sean do each and every week, please head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin, where there's a host of bonus content over there, and you get to be included in our wonderful community who are always sending each other presents, hanging out, meeting up now, it's getting a bit safer over here, and just having a wonderful time. So if you'd like to give back to the podcast in any way, that's patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. And alternatively, you can go and check us out on our social media pages at Pod. Yes, on Twitter and Instagram, at Sapninpod, at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. And yes, it, like Morgan said, if you'd like us to shut the fuck up about our <laughs> Patreon each and every week, what we need is we need 7,000 Patreons to sign up. Yes, right? yes, so please. So do us a favour, you and your friends all get together, sign up, you know, get a quid in, help the boys out, support the podcast, if you've ever been entertained by this, you owe us a quid. That's it. I'm standing firm to this. You owe us at least a quid, as I've decided now. So help the boys out, support the podcast, keep this going, keep us alive, and uh, eventually we're going to get the greatest equipment of all time so you can see the podcast in your mind. I can't say any more than that because I'm, cu I'm currently working with Elon Musk on that and I can't say much more than that, but we need more Patreons to make this happen. Yes, we do. We Basically, do. yeah, Elon said that if I can get 5,000 Patreons, um, we can eventually um, get involved in his head chip 
device thing that he's currently uh, ma- making yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah, yeah. to have the podcast sent directly to your brain each and every week so you could see us and smell <laughs> us you don't want that oh no it. one wants that no one wants that <laughs> but there is a lot of bonus <laughs> content on there that you would enjoy but anyway without any further ado let's get straight into this wonderful conversation with aaron of red fang yes fucking cracking great band fucking loads of riffs funny videos and what i believe are lovely 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 humans fucking tidy well that one for a while (laughs) there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sapnin! Sapnin! Yo. Uh, what's happening? No, no, there's no second goes. There's no second goes of this. I can't believe it. This week's guest is vocalist, Sorry, bassist. I'm a, I'm a bassist, not a drummer. That's why I missed that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so yeah, this week's guest is a vocalist, bassist, and apparently one-time stand-up comedian, Ooh. Aaron Beam of the fantastic band Red Fang. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. I have been waking up uh, a little bit before six every day, so I thought it would be no problem to be here at uh, f- for a 7 a.m. recording of a podcast. But of course, my alarm woke me up this morning, and so I'm a little groggier than normal, and hence I missed my cue on Sapnin. <laughs> you can just cut that in now. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. did you find out? But how did you find out about um, the stand-up comedy? Wow. Research. Wait, 
we're very good at researching. We we know everything about you, and we're just going to dissect little bits of your life what? for the next. Oh, that, that is that no, is very no? weird, is Morgan. That... <laughs> that is very weird. Don't put him off. We've just started, Morgan. Don't fucking put him off now. Fuck's sake, oh. man. Um, no, yeah. Basically, I, I was um, I was doing some research, and uh, yeah, I found a podcast that you did where you mentioned doing stand up, and it's one of the things that I'm currently being forced into doing by a comedian. So. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I think I would love to do it. Um, but yeah, how was it for you? Uh, well, I'll warn you, if you think that you would love doing it, you have to also question, would you, do you love the idea of potentially becoming a drug addict? Ooh. Because in my experience, <laughs> in my experience, it was really, really, really fun. But uh, you, t- you know, you said that you've you played in, a, in bands before, so you know the experience of trying to kind of recapture the excitement of that kind of perfect show where the energy is all perfect. And so I had an incredibly great first and only time doing stand-up comedy, pure luck, and also just whatever timing and the circumstances. But I could feel that if I tried it again, it was going to be nowhere near as good. And I was going to be chasing that uh, experience over and over again. Plus it is like 100 times more nerve wracking than playing music in front of people. And so I had to, I mean, I drank like eight beers and was taking sort of like these anti-anxiety, anti-anxiety pills and a whole bunch of other stuff just to be able to get out there and do it. And I was still, my heart was still pounding out of my chest when I uh, got up there, even though it was a room full of friends and there was no pressure whatsoever. And so I just knew, like, if I was ever going to try to continue doing this, that it was going to be the end of me as a physical being. Yeah. So I quit oh, wow. after the first one. But is it, what you got to think about is, <laughs> if if you killed it on that first show and you were, you know, semi-drunk and potentially um, anxiety medication ridden, well, fair play. You've done very, very <laughs> well, obviously, for the first time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, fair enough. yeah. Yeah, you never know the second time. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like... I suppose if you do a real good one, like you did, like my thing then is, like you said, it's, it's the chase in the dragon. It's trying to fight. It's trying to repeat that performance again. But if you have a bad one, I can see why you'd step away from it. So, yeah, I like the fact that you've kind of gone, well, I've completed it. I did so well there. I know I could do yeah. it. Well, That's then, enough for that. That's enough for that. That was, um, this is probably not the best thing to spread around the world, but... Fingers crossed that it's not that big a deal at this point. But many, 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 many years ago, um, we'll just say an illicit substance went into my body and I spent an entire night doing it. And it was uh, a really, really fun time. And then by the time it was wearing off uh, at 3 or 4 a.m. the next day, I said, well, that was great. I'm never doing that again. And I never did it again because it was like the perfect version of it. And I just didn't want to ever. Well, A, I didn't want to become an addict again. Same same sort of thing. I didn't want to become an addict to that that uh, chasing the dragon thing in comedy. I don't want to become, you know, I'm lucky in that I don't have that inherent sort of that gene or whatever built into me that I get physically addicted to that stuff. It's easier for me to just do something once and say, all right, that was enough of that. Let's move on. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah. well, I guess taken, yeah, taken out on board. Does that mean that when Red Fang write the perfect song, that you're going to be like, <laughs> well, that's it now. That'll be it. That'll that's our last ever song. Uh, luckily, I have. I feel no emotions about playing music, so uh, 
I don't get addicted. To, no, no, <laughs> that, that's a good point. That's a good point. I guess it's just that uh, when it comes to like drugs and, uh, you know, I'm not passionate about making comedy the way I am about making music. Um, I love obviously being a consumer of, of comedy. Like who the, who, how could you not who in the world is like, yeah, I'm not that into laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate, I hate fun. Oh, fucking chuckling. Oh, does my fucking head. In. Yeah, fucking mad, chuckling. God. <laughs> fucking chuckling. Yeah. You've never seen anybody ang- angry saying the word chuckling. I hate oh, that fucking I- chuckling. <laughs> Fuck giggles. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good. No, but, but that's quite interesting to hear, though, that especially like the whole chasing the dragon and the high of performing live at a comedy gig is, was so different for you than playing a live show and touring and, and stuff like that. And obviously, you just did the one, but was it just a completely different ball game than there is playing with Red Fang? Like, as you said, you're passionate about music, you're passionate about comedy, but seemed that those those experiences playing it live and doing it yourselves differed so much well there's a the main the huge huge difference is that music is something that you can do in your bedroom by yourself and you can evaluate you know you can have your own evaluation of how how well or poorly you're doing and you don't actually need to do it in front of people and you can make a recording in your own time and you can control all of the circumstances and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with comedy, whether you're good or bad is 100% dependent on the audience and their reaction to you in that moment. And so you, it's sort of like a, a, the obvious thing is that you're just totally by yourself up there. And that is a much different thing than uh, in the context of a band and B your self-worth. I think it's tied up with your, you know, with other people's perception of you really, really easily. And so that was kind of like, not to get too serious, but that's kind of like how that's the future that I saw was me getting way too wrapped up in like how the audience perceived me as a reflection of how good or bad I am as a person. And it was also another, you know, thing at the time was, um, that movie uh comedian had just come out i had just seen it um in the theater uh the the movie about jerry seinfeld's return to comedy yeah and it also had that guy Henri osborne in it and you could just see like it was so clear how insecure every comic was and throughout most of the movie you're like oh it's weird jerry seinfeld is the one guy who actually is is secure with himself until he sits down with um Bill Cosby, at which point you realize, oh, no, it's just that he feels superior to all these other comics. But then as soon as he sits down with Bill Cosby, you're like, oh, no, he's exactly the same as all of them. He's a super, like, insecure dude. Yeah, I I guess looking back on that now, though, Jerry could have been nervous for other reasons, like, what has Uh, Bill put in my drink? (laughs) (laughs) What's going to go on? What's what's happening tonight? You know, so... But yeah, that was yeah. I remember that. That film had one of my favorite trailers of all time with the um, the guy with the voice who does uh, um, like the in a world. For, for, yeah, <laughs> one one man, a girl, two girls on the edge of space. <laughs> yes, yeah, fucking yes, yeah, genius. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah, the reason I am going to stand up, I guess, sooner is 
just because I haven't got a band behind me that could hurry up and just play a song if I fuck up. Because I think that's my worry. Like, I'm going to go, boys, play! Oh, no! I'm not in this band. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's an interesting start and uh, some thoughts for Sean to think about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't get addicted to anything, Sean. I think that. Oh, I probably will. Ah, oh, these podcasts are going to get even stranger. No, oh, can they? Can they though? <laughs> That's the like, we've literally had DMT talk on you, so um, yeah. So can they get stranger? Fair. I don't know. Fair, but but saying that, Aaron, you, you mentioned um, you recently that you've changed your schedule and you've been getting up pretty early for you over there and stuff. Is that? Is there any reason? behind that or is it just trying to mix things up in this kind of crazy world we've been living in for the last year or two now uh i don't know if you guys can see all the way across there in england but see all these like little this is this is natural these grays in my beard nice um yeah one of the things that happens as you get older is that uh your body decides that you're going to start waking up earlier and earlier so Oh. Uh, but I've actually, since the beginning of Red Fang, you know, we didn't start touring until I was in my mid-30s. And I was the guy that, like, were up partying till four or five in the morning in the early days of touring with that band. And then I'd be awake at 8 a.m. So, uh, and I'm still, like, on the tours in the U.S. when we have to drive ourselves, uh, very often I'm just awake at seven. That's sort of like what time my body wakes up. So there's no no alarms involved, uh, just a, a biological alarm that I need to stop staying up late. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it makes it pretty challenging for, I have to adjust my schedule like crazy when, when I go on tour because my, yeah, my natural schedule is to be in bed by like 9.30 or 10 and then waking up at about 6.00. And that was, I think that's totally independent of any kind of, it's not because I have a kid. It's not because I have a job that that sort of stuff is easier because I already wake up earlier, but, uh, yeah, playing music is, uh, it can be a challenge sometimes to adjust my whole schedule. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering where you were currently situated when Morgan said, oh, we've got like a 3 PM UK, um, call with you. And I was like. Where, where is he in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean? What, how is this? How is this a reasonable time for him? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So yeah, no, we appreciate we appreciate you being here. We thank you very much. Yes, and yeah. Um, yeah, congratulations on all, all the Red Fang success so far. Well, thanks. I mean, and the other reason that I, that seven a.m. is not so bad for me right now is I actually have uh, I have another one more weekend today. Uh, we'll make uh, about a year, almost a year and a half of. Um, uh, me having gone back to my old work that I did before Red Fame um, became our our main job, uh, which is working at a stop motion animation studio. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, so yeah, uh, it's kind of a weird. I don't know how exactly it happened that I got into it in the first place. I was sort of <laughs> between jobs, and a friend of mine who worked at the studio called me up and. And she needed a little help organizing her uh, department. She worked in the puppet department, painting faces on on puppets for this stop motion production. And she knew that I was an organized person. And they, she brought me in, uh, and I just kind of started working there. But then it, I found out a little bit later that she actually didn't have any authorization to hire anybody at all. And so <laughs> it was real strange that Who's been paying exactly me? <laughs> that somehow I had a job, even though I wasn't supposed to, and it didn't go through the heads of the puppet department. 
uh, and then I ended up interviewing for a proper position and they, they said, eh, no thanks. But then, um, uh, luckily a guy in one of the other departments, that was kind of the, uh, sort of like kind of important department for that production. They printed out, they did like the 3d prints of the faces that were being painted for the animation. Um, he had gotten attached to me. And so he sort of like went to bat for me. And then I ended up staying on for like a year and then they brought me back for the next one. And I just made a bunch of contacts. And so when, you know, things started getting a little bit weird, uh, I just called up some of my old puppet contacts and there happened to be three productions, feature length productions going on in Portland all at that time. And I just, I got hired at one of them. So worked out pretty well. Wow. Wow. That's not, Yeah. What, that's fucking brilliant that's the best that's the best other job that we've had on here so far yeah. i think it's a pretty strange i one. love the i love the idea where you you said the head of the uh puppet department i just think of loads of like naked hands just like no <laughs> <laughs> no that's it no i'm sorry we can't we can't hire at this time or whatever um yeah what yeah what a crazy yeah but what a way to get a job anyway is to go in there and get paid for a job that wasn't that didn't exist didn't exist yeah <laughs> yeah I can't, I'm not exactly sure how she did it. She was very charming, uh, very charming person. So was she paying you out of her own account? No, I can't remember. (laughs) You were getting paid by the company? I think she probably went directly to like the HR. I I don't know. Like I was like, you know, I was getting a proper paycheck, but I think she just had somehow maybe gone around the department heads and like gone directly to the producer or I, I, I'm not really sure it was, uh, as long as I yeah. was getting paid, I didn't care. Well, last week on, on social media, I saw a guy um, in Italy um, oh, yeah. has been employed by a hospital for 15 years, and he hasn't worked there for 15 years. Wow. How? I've heard stories <laughs> like that. that. I've also heard oh, about yeah. there's oh. a uh, sort of a grifter who ended up with like a pretty serious job as, a, as an ER doctor or some sort of a doctor at a hospital who had... Um, zero he had zero medical experience at all he just was really good at convincing people that he was something and ended up like working as a doctor with no medical background at all i'll have to i'll I'll look i won't i'll pretend to look that up and send you a link later yeah i'd love to know yeah what was his survival rate oh god at what point did somebody go are we sure he's a fucking doctor (laughs) right because that guy needs an heart transplant and for some reason he's taking He's taking his fucking foot off. <laughs> I'm all for I'm all for like faking it until you make it, but that's the very extreme. Like fake it until you kill that's, somebody. That's a new new level of confidence. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Make it till you break it. Like there was also the story about uh, there was some. Um, it was like a law advice blog blog or something that I think was mo- mainly just uh, criminal lawyers who were on this you know, chat room or something. Um, discussing cases and trying to figure out, you know, giving each other anonymous advice about how to go about defending or prosecuting certain criminal cases. And there was one user who was had the most useful, like the highest number of recommendations or whatever. He was the most effective at giving advice. And it turned out that it was like a 14 year old kid who just watched a bunch of law and order. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Johnny Cochran's nephew. <laughs> what the fuck? 
That's fucking mental. They wouldn't. I, how does that? I just don't understand how any of that works. Because, like, imagine trying to trying it yourself though for a different job. Like, you know, the amount of sports I watch, but you know, Chicago Bulls ain't gonna sign me up. <laughs> yeah, imagine <laughs> that. Imagine, yeah, yeah. There's no way. That's fuck it. That's uh. nuts. Or imagine trying to infiltrate a band and just convince somebody that. Uh, oh wait, that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember back in the day, probably early 2000s, when Limp Bizkit kicked Wes Boland out and they were they were auditioning guitar. They were going around the nation auditioning guitarists. There was people who were just turning up who've never played guitar before, just <laughs> on the hopes that the, the, the day they turned up, God was just going to send them the riffs. It's just, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, we should talk about Red Fang, really, yeah, shouldn't we? Yeah. Cause, yes, because there's a lot of exciting things going on with the band now finally you're putting out this new record arrow i know you've had it ready for quite a while there's been some release dates and you've had to reschedule and stuff and due to all the madness going on in the world but how are you feeling about finally getting some new music out now for like the first time in five years yeah it well as you might imagine it feels fantastic uh it's it's strange to um I think that everybody probably had a pretty similar experience or has had this experience since we're um, kind of coming out of, hopefully, feels like we're kind of coming out of uh, the depths of the pandemic that when you start talking to people about, oh, yeah, that was this thing that I did. That was last year. And then you realize, oh, wait, no, no, no. That was two years ago. That 2020 sort of just kind of disappeared into this weird vortex. And so... I guess in one way, um, it doesn't feel as long uh, as it could. I think if, you know, if the pandemic hadn't happened and we had just had to wait this whole extra year to put out the record and everybody else, everything else was going as normal, then it would feel like, what is going on here? But I think because everybody was in the same boat, it's not quite as strange. It's definitely weird to have to shift gears from we're about to put out a record and start touring to oh no okay nothing's happening and then to just suddenly go straight back into that after you know just resetting our lives into whatever we were doing in between i had to go listen to the record again because it had been long enough that i couldn't remember you know what it's what it felt like to listen like to listen to it and i had to get back into the mindset of what was it like to have just finished that um yeah, and so it was. Uh, all of that stuff is a little strange. Trying to figure out as people are asking questions about, did you guys use the time to write more material? And then thinking, thinking back to what was my mind like in April, May of 2020, and why didn't we write more music? And there's a bunch of reasons, but um, but thank goodness we're uh, we're releasing it, and we can actually start to share this thing that we worked so hard on with everybody. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And one of the reasons we were so excited to have you on the podcast, and Sean's mentioned it quite a few times in the past, is that Red Fang have always had that real comedy aspect behind the scenes of the band. Obviously, you know, the music speaks for itself, but you don't take yourselves too seriously in front of the camera on social media or anything like that. And one thing we found that really cracked us up was from your record label, Relapse, who not only described you as beer-crunching, zombie-killing, air-guitar, judging metal heroes, 
but just a lot of other things like that. Is it is it quite nice now that even though you've been doing it for so long that you can still have that fun and not take yourselves too seriously and just let everything speak for itself? Well, I think that that's one of the reasons why we have been able to do it as long as we have. If we were, I think if we were mired in the sort of the, like the darkness and seriousness of all, some of the lyrics and and for us, some of the the music that uh, that would just be overwhelming. It'd be too much, and it'd be like, okay, this is this is too intense. Let's just get out of here. Um, I know that we have like there's plenty of songs that are total party songs, but a lot of the lyrics are pretty dark, um, even on the party songs. But uh, I didn't really, I'd never really thought of it in in these terms before. But reflecting on it while you're asking the question, I think that part of actually what probably helped me just like as a human to have a better relationship to just like my own thoughts and life in general and how seriously to take things in general was the fact that early on, you know, we had, I mean, that the song prehistoric dog is ridiculous. Like lyrically also it's about like literally dogs from outer space coming and attacking, you know, it's stupid. (laughs) Uh, so that one lent itself really well to a ridiculous video, but I think that I always was like for years and years before Red Fang, I always took myself pretty seriously as a musician. Um, that's not to say I was a good musician, but I just, you know, I was like, (laughs) this is important, this thing that I'm doing. And someday, you know, maybe somebody may notice and maybe they won't. But the, the thing is that like what I'm doing is like trying to make good music or whatever. And I think that with Red Fang... We all wanted to just take ourselves less seriously musically and just be like, just let's have fun because like music should be fun. And we all got into music in the first place through bands that were exciting and, you know, invigorating and not just like, you know, not like the kinds of bands that made you want to get out your calculator and figure out how do they fit so many time signatures into a minute and a half. I know this is a very, very long answer, but I think that that sort of lightheartedness that came from the videos that was sort of inspired by just like our mission statement as a band, all of that stuff tied together to just make us be a little bit less, take ourselves less seriously in general, Mm. which is pretty important I think for longevity for stuff like that, unless you're some sort of a super genius auteur who can actually achieve the, you know, the intense vision that you have, but we're not that good. So we have to make jokes about ourselves. (laughs) No, that's the thing. I think people just get caught up so much in what they're doing and not see the bigger picture of that, like what 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 people are actually getting from it from an outside perspective. So it's just been amazing to see that, as you said, you've had that longevity. You don't take yourselves too seriously, and you're having fun. That's the most important thing. And I think a lot of people do have fun when they listen to Red Fang. I hope so. I think the other part of it is that yeah, there's a lot of serious and dark and sad stuff that happens. Um, or even like frustrating stuff that happens in people's lives. But there's that's really not any different from any of the boring mundane stuff that happens in your life or the super awesome stuff. And so taking any of it too seriously is kind of a silly, like that's no way to go through life. Like totally attaching yourself to any particular thing at any one time is like, that's going to pass. It's going to go away eventually. You're going to feel like shit in, for now. And then in five minutes, you're going to take a shit and then you're going to feel great. <laughs> yeah very true very very true um tell us about some of the underground messing 
that you've been doing with fans over the years? Because I read something um, about with this record is actually named after a track that is actually on the album, where in the past you've named records after songs that didn't make the cut. Little things like this, I think, is, is what really cracked people up. <laughs> yeah. Give us some more insights into little things the band has done over the years. Uh, I wish I could say that we were... Um smart enough to have done any of that stuff on purpose uh it was <laughs> right okay <laughs> uh, most of the naming records after songs from other records is just sort of like not being able to make a decision about an album title and so you know uh i think it was just like oh you know it was a cool you know it was a cool song title that would have made a good album title <laughs> it was so why don't we just steal that for this one I think that's really where that came from. And then I think that because we'd done that a couple times, then we thought, hey, you know, it might be uh, kind of funny is actually naming an album after one of the tracks on the... Re Who hey, who's ever thought of that before? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I got something totally new and fresh. Check this out. Um, yeah, a question I had was how... how um how did you guys come to work with, like, Fred Armazan and um, Brian uh, Poznan for... Uh yeah for the videos was that um the directors doing then or uh, do you uh, guys know them personally because i know fred's from portland well right? no he he lived here for a while his sister lives here uh he bounces all over he was i think lived in new york at the time oh no well not the time they used in the video but um he was in portland for shooting portlandia uh so brian was the the first sort of like famous person cameo that we had and the way we got that to work was basically well a we already knew that he was a metalhead uh b he's on relapse which is the same he has like two comedy records on relapse same label that we're on but actually the way that that happened was john sherman who plays drums in red fang he had tickets i think for brian's show and we were just chatting with whitey about like the director of those videos so like who should we try to get to play the what do you call it? The cashier at this convenience store. And John was like, oh, well, you know what? Next weekend, Brian Posehn's going to be up here and I have tickets to the show. And he just sent him a direct message over Twitter. That's He was just like, hey, this is John from Red Fang. I know you're going to be up here next week. Would you? I know this is kind of a long shot, but... And he just wrote back and he was like, sure, I can do that. And he just came down. But it took him like, <laughs> you know, it took like an hour or something because he's actually a professional actor. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, with... Um, for. Fred, I think it was, I think I, I had met Fred, I kind of knew Fred through, just through Portland contacts, we have mutual friends, and when he moved here, I already sort of knew him a little bit, because Portland's, you know, small town, but I think in that case, it was really just, Whitey just reached out directly to him, they were, they were wrapping up a season of um, Portlandia, like, the day before we shot that scene um in the blood like cream video and so he was like oh yeah i'm not flying out till the day after so yeah i can come down for a morning and shoot some stuff and similarly he's so good that it was you know just took him a couple hours and then and he's also both of them are also very very nice and very generous people so basically the the answer is we we asked that's the the short answer is we asked <laughs> yeah. well, no but that's yeah, that's perfect because i never i never would have thought of to do that just for the simple reason i don't think anybody would say it is that yeah that's like me waiting now for dave Chappelle to play over in the uk <laughs> and then go oh i'm gonna shoot a video this week dave <laughs> yeah, just dm dave Chappelle. dave what are you up to do you fancy being in our video and he's gonna go 
No. <laughs> right. But it's weird. Right the thing is that, you know what? You know what will guarantee that he won't do it is if you never ask. That's, That's true. true. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah. but it reminds me a little bit, some friends of mine, uh, who actually played on, um, murder the mountains and did some of the, like the overdub recording, uh, they were a couple and lived in, I can't remember if it was Nashville, somewhere in Tennessee. And they just, they were starting out and they didn't really, as a two person band, um, and didn't really know what the ins and outs of like, how does it work with bands and music and the, the business and like playing shows and whatever. So they just wrote a letter to Fugazi. I think it was. And we're like, we love your band, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then ended up creating a relationship. And that's kind of like how they got like through contacts that they got from Fugazi. Ended up kind of getting established and then, you know, started, became a touring band and it just kind of worked out. And I think, I think actually one of the mutual friends I have with um, uh, Fred, Lance Bangs, my understanding is that the way that he got into, he's like pretty big time director and uh filmmaker at this point and i'm pretty sure that his start was also that he just like wrote a letter to michael stipe and just told him how important rem was to him and then established a relationship with rem and started learning i guess about movie making through doing stuff with those guys that's probably a horrible bastardization of the actual story but that's uh <laughs> it's something hey, it along those good lines to me. But again, yeah, I'm just going to write down. I'm just going to write down names of everybody who's in a giant band now, <laughs> and then send them a letter later on today. Yeah, dear James Hetfield, I like the riff. <laughs> Do you want to come uh, show me how to plant a garden? <laughs> yeah, dear James Hetfield, I don't think much of that drummer. <laughs> oh, uh, but but m speaking about some of your uh, videos um, as well, Sean's former band uh, I've always listened to them on, um, watched them on the road and stuff, and he's shared quite a few stories with me about a few laughs they've brought him. And, and there's two in particular I wanted to bring up: is this Arrow and Wires on their Arrows plural? Z. You said Arrow earlier. It's Arrows, isn't it? Is it I thought I, I did, did the S not come through. I'm sorry. Arrows and wires. Motherfucker. Um, <laughs> obviously, the concept of both of those is you spending the record labels check for the video on some crazy stuff. And one of the things I did want to mention is that despite those videos, is there anything that comes to mind that the band have wasted huge amounts of money on that didn't really need necessarily in oh, any aspects? Um... I know what mine did. <laughs> the very first, it wasn't, it, I don't think we've ever spent huge amounts of money on anything, but it was huge percentage of what our income was at the time is we bought, uh, we called it the murder van. It was the first. Uh, <laughs> that was a good start. <laughs> it, where is this going? Hang on. It was, um, <laughs> it was the first van that we bought for ourselves because we had a couple shows just in town and <clears throat> it was this like it was jacked up i think and it was matte black and it uh Aww. it had you know like the little skull things on the um whatever those the lock little deals or whatever and we thought it looked super cool and so we bought it for whatever 400 or 500 dollars or something and one time almost made it to a show i mean i think we made it all the way there but the van like every probably 90 seconds or so 
all the electricals would go out, which mean meant that the engine would also stop. And so we're like, we had never driven it in the rain. We bought this van and then we had a show in Portland that was, we maybe had to drive three miles and the van probably stopped about, uh, I don't know, 15 times on the way to the show. And it was uh, raining the first time we'd been in the van when it was raining and there was just water pouring in the back doors so that we were back there kind of like trying to shield all of our equipment, you know, like in our raincoats trying to block the rain from getting all over our gear and then just drove it back to my house, uh, parked it in the driveway. And um, after a few, you know, a few months waited for summer and then I stuck my bike in the back, drove it to a wrecking yard. Uh, where they just pay you for scrap metal. It died a couple times on the way. Eventually got it there, and then they just like got a giant forklift and brought it around the back, and they gave me I think three or four hundred dollars for the scrap. Uh, yeah, nearly full price back. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's not too bad. That's true. Yeah, I think we got most of it back somehow. So it felt like yeah. a huge waste, but hmm. But that's that's pretty good, pretty good return considering. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but those those videos are um, a very good laugh, especially with arrows now uh, with the purchase of the samurai sword. I'm not going to try to actually pronounce the name of the sword because I will get it wrong and embarrass myself. For Randy, listening. the name of the sword was Randy. Randy, <laughs> Randy the sword. I like it. I like yeah. it. Um, Clive the knife. <laughs> and obviously in that, you're chopping up loads of different, just some random object, objects and oh, stuff. Brilliant. What was your so favorite thing to cut up? And was there anything that didn't make the cut because you tried and it just wouldn't break or anything like that? No, well, there's nothing that the sword wouldn't go through. Uh, I, um, I don't know if I'm proud of this or ashamed of this, but I was especially bad at slicing things. I just, my aim is real. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm horrible at sports. And I just couldn't get really the thing down. So you'll notice that like all, all my friends after the video came out, they were like, huh, you weren't really in the slicing scenes very much. And I was like, yeah, it's not that I wasn't trying. It's just that I can't do it. So uh, the one thing, though, that like really I, I, I lied um, because my memory failed me. The one thing that really didn't work that we were really excited about was we had this gigantic gigantic like stuffed bear you know like six feet oh, eight wow. feet tall or something that uh white whitey had rigged up a whole bunch of blood packets in its neck and so and try you know we tried to we wanted to slice at least into its neck and have blood spurt everywhere but you know physics got in our way i guess and uh you know it just absorbed because it was not really it wasn't tethered to anything tightly enough and it's a big soft thing so of course it just goes, Puh. which reminds me, this is boring, <laughs> but you guys ever watch that show about it's like ancient weapons or something? Uh, I think so. Is it Discovery? Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dis- yeah. A discovery and there was an episode it? about how Japanese, I think, samurai would wear like a scarf on their back when they're riding horses. The theory was that it was actually a shield and it was like, how's that going to work? And so they tested it out, and it turns out that when that thing is filled with air and you shoot an arrow at it, for however like hard you want to shoot the arrow, it just kind of goes, puh, and then falls. Like, there's no arrow could penetrate. It's just like a piece of silk. But it's because of the air that it can't get through, and it was 100% effective against arrows. So don't hold up a handkerchief during our shows when we're playing that song. <laughs> <laughs> 
also, that is good advice for anyone listening to this who is afraid that they might get shot at by arrows. So at least they know now. <laughs> oh, do you know what? It's 2021 and I am fucking sick to death of looking over my shoulder at people firing arrows at me. <laughs> Hey, well, we have listeners in Nottingham, in England, and Robin Hood. That is true. Robin Hood, you know, lived there, doesn't he? He's always staying from the rich. Doesn't he? He doesn't anymore, I don't think. No. No. It's moved, isn't he? There's a statue. There's a statue. I've been to it. He's not there himself anymore. Or Kevin Costner, funnily enough. Kevin Costner doesn't hang out in Nottingham as much Uh, as I thought he did either. Uh, (laughs) I've lost now. There's some cool caves in Nottingham also. Yeah? Caves? Yeah. I recommend that tour if you get a chance. It's a strange one because you actually, I think you have to go into a mall. The entrance is actually through a mall. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Wait, I got to write this down next to James Hetfield. <laughs> yeah. To invite James Hetfield to the, the Nottingham Cave Tour. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There hey, we I go. know it's this is kind of enough. a strange request, but I've always wanted <laughs> yeah. a friend to go with me into these caves. <laughs> and I admire your music and I thought you might like caves. <laughs> I'm thinking about shoot yeah. Uh, dear James, I'm thinking about shooting a music video next week in these caves. Are <laughs> you about <laughs> love from Sean? That's brilliant. Is there any other little uh, like touristy spots in the UK or anything that come to mind that we might have completely missed ourselves? When I can't believe I didn't know New- yeah. uh, not Nomad Caves. Um, jeez, I don't know. I mean, mainly uh, one of our favourite. Um, mustards of the world is coleman's norwich's uh, finest nice yeah and so we uh uh norwich has some you know they have the whatever that's an interesting sort of kind of if you like mustard place to visit i think they have a they have a castle there too that's like isn't it that sort of like square on top of a hill it's just like a the norwich keep or something maybe i'm thinking of a different spot i don't oh i don't know i'm unsure Problem is, see, over here, we're, we're sick of castles, because we've all got <laughs> right. them. Yeah. We're fucking sick of them, like, so, like, I, yeah, if you said to me, right, we're going to Norwich, my first thought isn't, ah, I know, I'll go see the castle, right. the smaller than the one from where I live. Yes, yeah, it is small. <laughs> all we have over here is White Castle, so. Yeah. 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 Or that big pink one that they knocked up in Orlando. Right. And then Florida, um, <laughs> and, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, random things from Red Fang's kind of press and stuff i've noticed um recently you've mentioned a bit that if lyrics weren't making sense in any way it's because they're based off meditation and it's something you've been trying to do for six years but can only seem to do it when you least need it when you're not anxious <laughs> right uh, that was i i read that and i genuinely i was telling morgan i was fucking crying <laughs> laughing i'm sending my voice notes going this is fucking so good but isn't that I mean, isn't that generally the case that it's easiest to stay calm when you're already calm? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) calm down. I'm already calm. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. Oh, job done. Yeah. I mean, Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of benefit to, in my experience, to that whole idea. And I love the idea of being able to get out of my own thoughts for a second and, see you know try to get some perspective when i'm in the midst of you know some freak out or the problem with it people generally want to use it when like oh man i'm feeling really anxious or nervous and everything kind of sucks and i wish i could just like step out for a second and kind of get some perspective so i can not 
attach myself to those feelings. But I don't know anybody who's like, oh, I'm having a great time. I want to like back out so that I can stop feeling so good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but I think this, this club night is amazing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think that that's the, that's the, the, the problem with, I think a lot of, um, the trendy attachment to meditation right now is that people want to be able to just like, they want to use it as like, it's just another therapy for not feeling bad, but that's not what it's about. It's about not feeling anything ever. No, that's, <laughs> it's not that either. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Oh, have you tried DMT by any chance? <laughs> um, I I hope so. I th I think I've I think I'm on it. I I think that thing that I took this morning was DMT. No, <laughs> no. You know, you know, you know, because you wouldn't be able to see us. Well, DMT DMT is that <laughs> super short lived one, right? It only lasts for like yeah, it's yeah. twenty minutes. No, I haven't. I minutes. have not tried it yet, but I'm not yeah. opposed. So if James Hetfield, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, James. We've got an idea for a video in some caves on uh, the world's strongest hallucinogen. Are you up for it? Spelt R U and then up for it. Up for I like it. The world's strongest. Um, the world's strongest man on the world's strongest hallucinogen. Let's get Eddie Hall. <laughs> you know. Oh Jesus think, Christ! Yeah, I think you've made a TV I, show there. No, I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't already filmed it for his YouTube oh, channel. Because okay, yeah. fucking hell, he's done Strongest Man Does Karate. Strongest Man Tries Jiu-Jitsu. Strongest Man Does Swimming. Right, right, right. He's, he's could be, at this rate, DMT is going to be next week. Yep. And then he's finished his channel, yep. I think. He's done everything a, a strong man could go and Has do. Has the world's strongest uh, man eaten the world's... How did we get to Eddie Hall? <laughs> how, how did we not get... Well, he's, he's gravitational <laughs> yeah. force. <laughs> has he eaten the world's this happens every bloody I know, podcast i know i listen to them all has he uh eaten the world's strongest pepper has he eaten that? i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna bring eddie there all you up. go <laughs> yeah he's bound to have he's bound to have had a go yep. that's eddie all uh Most... i can't believe he got to him <laughs> <laughs> oh but aaron just a, a few things left before um before we do turn into those two podcasters in the cut of short music video um one thing we like to bring up on this podcast quite regularly is just experiences that kind of musicians have had with people that they admire and and the situations that they've been in which just can't kind of fathom or expect and met maybe one of your childhood heroes maybe or, or a band that you loved growing up and have shown Red Fang some love. Is there anything like that that comes to mind reminiscing on all the mad achievements and experiences the band has been able to have so far? Uh, well, I mean, the it's sort of funny that um, his name has come up a number of times during this podcast, but the main sort of like, oh gosh, is this happening? Experience was when we got invited to the uh, Orion Music and More Festival. When they invited us, they said, hey, Metallica is having this festival and they they hand-selected all the bands for it. And I think like every other band that was sort of as small as we were at the time, we, we thought, no, there's no fucking way Metallica hand-selected us. Somebody, you know, who works in their, you know, in their camp, I'm sure was like, oh, this is like, this band has a funny video. It would probably be good to have them on there. And so we said, as we were driving out there, we we're like, the only way we're going to believe 
that Metallica actually has any idea who we are is if James Hetfield comes over and introduces himself to us and tells us. Uh, so we got there. Like it was a pretty crazy, horrible experience. Even getting there, we stayed at a just like a, a murder hotel um, the night before to go with the murder van. <laughs> yeah, nice. it was too bad that we couldn't drive that van there and leave it. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we were like out of our minds with exhaustion and not being able to sleep at that motel. And it was about five minutes before we were supposed to go on. And our tour manager came over and he was kind of like freaking out a little bit. And he was like, okay, everybody five or maybe it was like 10 minutes before we were supposed to go on. And he said, you guys, five minutes before your set time, everybody has to assemble over here because James Hetfield wants to come over and say hi to you before, before you play. And, uh, uh, Brian remembers actually like basically sort of blacking out and, and kind of, and punching him a couple times. Brian was in sort of a, a punchy mood back in those days. And I think punched him in the what? shoulder a few times, not punching him in the face, but just sort of like, you know, maybe a little too hard, a little too excited, punching him in the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like, I had a little bit of a freak out. And then, um, the first two songs of our set, uh, I was playing and it was like, what sounds so weird? And I realized that the first two songs are in standard E tuning and I was tuned to drop D. And so I'm playing a whole step off and uh, tried to fix it partway through one of the songs and only went up a half step. And so now I'm playing and I was just like, couldn't get it together. Uh, and then, of course, found out that that Hetfield was actually standing side stage with with like our drummer's wife and watching us for the first two or three songs and watching me flail through being a half step off. I like the idea of your drummer's wife going, no, you, no, it's in tune usually. <laughs> 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 no, he does know. He knows. Yeah, 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 he knows. Exactly. He's, he's going to sort it out now. <laughs> I think she was just trying to pretend she didn't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this band? <laughs> Who is this band that I'm side of stage for? Yep, yep. Oh my God. Uh, oh that's awesome. well, no, that's that's great though. Like, even though yeah. you had that experience, I mean, it, it, it's just great to kind of meet someone like that. And yeah, have you heard from him since? Have you seen him again since? Oh yeah, I've done, yeah, he's written me a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, he wants to go caving. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's just bought this Robin Hood outfit, and he's looking <laughs> yeah. for somewhere to go caving. Uh, we did actually. We did um, run into him again. Uh, on the uh, this festival we did in Australia called Soundwave, um, they I think we were on that, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Um, I think that it was the last one, the one that we did. Uh, it was the one that Metallica, Metallica headlined it, and maybe they did one more the year after that. But uh, we got there a day early because our set time we were the, there was fifty five bands on the festival the year we did it with like eleven stages, and our set time was. 11.30 a.m. We literally played before noon. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we had to get there the, a day or two before to kind of, whatever, jet lag. And Metallica was hosting a barbecue for all of the bands the day before. And so we ran into him again. And uh, I did run over and, and chat with James Hetfield in a slightly more normal way. But I was still, I was pretty jet lagged. So I think I was kind of yelling at him, at him. But it was nice. We talked about, like, I was just curious about some of the early days of touring for those guys, what it was like, you know, did they ever tour in a van and stuff like that, so. And the answer is no, they toured in a box truck. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I was going to mention, because I remember watching, I watched the clip earlier of the Dave Grohl 
um, Foo Fighters touring documentary that you guys are involved with as well. Oh, right. Um, did you, did you, how did that come about? Did like Uncle Dave phone you up or was it? Uh, he, you know, he got up his courage and he wrote us a letter and he said, hey, this, you guys, pro- I mean, you probably never heard of me. My name's Dave. My name's David. And I play in a band and I'm trying to make a movie. And I thought that maybe you guys would, uh, no, actually are, uh, uh, we're friends with like some of his, his, um, his crew. Uh, so his, uh, like one of the guitar techs and the bass tech, they live in Portland and, um, yeah, we kind we sort of, I mean, I wouldn't say I know Dave Grohl, but we're in contact with, with that world and our manager knows Dave. And so I think it was a little bit, the story is a little bit less sexy than it could have been. It's just sort of like. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got this big red fang back piece. He's a massive fan, he's a huge fan. Yeah, um, I've just looked now, and um, 2013 Soundwave Festival that you're talking yeah. about. Mm. Um, my band was also. What is on your as band? Well. What was your band called? My band was called the Blackout. Ah, um, yes, and uh, yeah, so we we did that Soundwave, and I gave away my ticket to that Metallica barbecue to. Um, the Blackout Sound Guy, because he loved Metallica Sound Guy. Big something, his name was. Big Mick? Big Mick? Did I make it up? So, uh, anyway, so he was like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet the Metallica Sound Guy. So I was like, have my ticket. And did he? I'm going. And yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he went, he went in. He was chuffed. Oh, and Yeah. And uh, the drummer from my band cried because he's one of the biggest Metallica fans of all time. And uh, yeah, that was. How good were those sound waves? Oh, my God. Really good. So good. We uh, yeah we were on um, were we on first I think we were on first on were you on that stage with no the, the... I think we were on the main st- it was they had two they had two main stages I think so <laughs> we'd go on we'd go on and nobody would give a fuck right and um, so they split it's like a stadium obviously and then it's the two stages main stages so we were on the one side with nobody in front of us watching us right. Then there's a barrier up the middle, and then next over there then is five thousand anthrax fans. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> yep. And I know, I know you haven't had the misfortune of listening to the blackout, right? I can't tell you how far apart the blackout and anthrax are. Right. Uh. It got to the point where we were winning. Somehow we were winning anthrax fans over by me having a, a long enough mic lead because I was the front man of the band wandering over and onto Anthrax's stage to try and get all these long-haired fellas to come round and have a look at us. And, uh, yeah, that, that was literally... My, my main thing on Soundwave was trying to coax um, older gentlemen to come and like um, a screamy emo band. And they were having fucking none yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was amazing. Well, and I loved yeah, it. Yeah, good on you for, for getting over there. and try- We would have just uh, stared at the floor and, you know just gone through our set we were lucky actually i think in some ways playing so early because no one else was playing at that hour and so you know those uh, australians they were already drunk by 10 a.m they were just excited to get, we had to like i remember um i guess it was the melbourne show uh my uh ex my previous wife uh she had come down because we were going to spend some time like scuba diving after the tour and she came down for that show and I think had some friends in Melbourne or something. Um, it was the first show that 
as we were about to go on, there was no one, like literally zero people in front of it. Like uh, of most course. of the shows were actually pretty good. And I was excited. Of and I was like, oh, this is, is kind of cool that even though we're on at 1130, there's people showing up because it's Australia and they don't give a shit. And they're like probably still drunk from the night before. And so then that one, it was like, so I was like all, you know, a little bit nervous and excited to like, check it out. We're in Australia and there's people at our shows at 1130 a.m. And zero people. But then it, we found out that it was because there was a problem at the gates. And so we started playing to zero people. But then within like maybe 30 seconds, uh, it was like people running from the gates up to our stage. Because I think it was just they're just so excited. Like, I don't think anybody knew who we were. It was just like so excited to get the day started. So it turned out to be really good for us to be on so early. I think it was actually a blessing in disguise. Being on early. Hey, it's the theme. I'm on at 7 a.m., <laughs> which is like, this is the one time that people are going to listen to this. Oh, wait, they don't listen at the time that I'm recording it. But, uh, it's uh, 7 a.m. somewhere. So wherever someone's listening to this, it might be 7 a.m. Right. It might be earlier. Yep. We, ne- we never know. We never know. Have you noticed it's always the shows when you take somebody or you bring in somebody or you need to impress somebody <laughs> and uh, that go either tits up or no prick turns up to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we had the same thing. Um, my former band, The Blackout, again, we did Warp Tour and um, we were on some tiny stage, the Kevin Says stage, which is the smallest one maybe. And we'd been doing like a couple hundred people every day and we were like, oh, this is cool. And then our new manager flew over from England and the day he came to see us, we were on the same time as one of the massive bands on Warp Tour were playing their hometown show. We literally played to our manager who was leaning against a tree watching us play out in the crowd. At least he was watching you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, didn't go over and we're like, oh, boys, they're playing the whole time show. I'm going to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. The main are, the main are on oh, over you, there. You didn't yeah. see this. He wasn't like, yeah, <laughs> fuck this shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Or he looks at his phone. He looks at his phone and he's like, he's looking at a timetable. And then he goes, oh, I gotta go. The main are on. Boys, what the fuck are you doing playing? The main are on over there, you fucking idiots. <laughs> Where's everybody? Oh. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, know I'm, I know I'm not managing them, but. Come on, they are a better band. So I'm going to be over there with everybody else. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, yeah, Aaron, this has been a great chat. Very funny. We've enjoyed this so, so much. Just before you go, obviously, Red Fang's new album, Arrows, is can be coming out now. Um, is there anything else we can look forward to or expect from the band in the coming months or anything you'd like to plug at all? Uh, that we do have another video that's uh, just about finished in editing process. So that's going to um, pop up onto your phones pretty soon, I hope. Um, maybe that will have come out actually before the this podcast has aired. But in any case, go check it out now. Uh, and then we also ha- just announced a show. Well, can you tell us? Yeah. Can you tell us the premise of it? Um, no, because I was barely in it. It was actually it's one that we lucked out that a lot of it involves. <laughs> Um, we didn't, I, I, uh, didn't have to commute down from Tacoma to be in, in the video, <laughs> yeah, to film the video. There's only one scene really, I guess I'm in two scenes where we beat somebody up and, uh, and then another one where I'm <laughs> working at, I'm doing the Brian Posehn part where I'm working at the cash register. 
And we also just announced a show with uh, all them witches at the Ryman in Nashville. So that's uh, for Halloween. So that's pretty exciting. And, you know, we'll have probably a couple other videos and the album is actually coming out on the 4th. Probably some other shows might get announced pretty soon. So just keep an eye out. Will do. Will do. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time, especially very early in the day. Uh, Aaron, it's been an absolute blast. Yeah, it has been very, very fun. Thank you very much. Um, congratulations on your success so far. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. And I can't wait to see more videos from you guys as well yes. and more music. So yeah, thank you so, so much for giving us the time. This has been hilarious. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you guys very much. I had a great time. Yes! Yeah. Ooh, Mexican. Nice. <laughs> that's got nothing. Yeah, that's nothing to do with the podcast, but nice. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you so, so much to Aaron from Red Fang. I fucking love that chat. It's more chats like that I kind of want, really. It's just fucking hanging out with people I haven't met, just shooting the shit, having a laugh talking about our heroes, talking about mad shit we've been able to do, talking about the brilliant videos that they've shot and recorded and had fun making. And yeah, he shaved his back for a video. Like that's-, <laughs> that's commitment. If anyone's committing to a band or committing to a video, shaving your back is up there. I shaved my willy for a video once, but it, it wasn't for a music one. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Ah, oh, Sean. But no, I totally agree. Like, it's nice having conversations like this with people we've never met and how so open he was. I just like the fact of the first 20 minutes we were on about comedy and animation studios and just yep. having a good laugh before getting yeah, well, into... That's what I, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I like. I Well, I don't like. I love it, really. I just love the... It's a conversation rather than, you know, tell us about arrows. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather just... I found out he'd done a bit of comedy. It's something I, I'm interested in. Mm. Let's find out fucking how we went for him, his thoughts. Can I get any advice from him? Um, apparently, the advice is just go up there and fucking absolutely crush it and then never do another gig <laughs> again, apparently. But, um, yeah, thanks to Aaron and thanks to uh, Good as Gold for sorting us out. So thank you very much to Harris and everyone at the team there. Yes, we do love those lovely, lovely people. And a reminder that their new album, Arrows, from Red Fang is available now. And they just put out a new music video for the track, Why? That is a sad saga of a pizza parlor mascot, which sounds very emotional, but I'm sure it's full of laughs as well. Yeah, and you've instantly made me angry now because you mentioned pizza Ooh. and we are recording this at the lunch time. The I, time of lunch. I, I do. I do like a good pizza. Um, but people will be probably asking you this, Sean. You did mention in the conversation that there is one of your comedian friends pressuring you to do a stand-up set at some point. Um, Very much so. Any, any thoughts if that's something you're going to try and do soon i know i'm putting you on the spot by asking you this but yeah i think i will or some yeah well not at some point yeah i have to i literally have to it's in me now where i have to get out and just talk some shit on stage and and do my bit um especially after last week i did a gig last week in liverpool um and just the buzz of being on stage Mm. again was fantastic or off stage as i tend to be most of the time wondering (laughs) about the venue trying my best not to lick faces um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, my friend Vix, 
um, whose podcast I did before is a podcast called the Comedy Arcade Podcast. I did that with three comedians. That was super interesting. And Vix is trying to get me to do stand-up, along with Rich Wilson as well from Insane in the Membrane Podcast. I did that one, and he's a comedian, and they want me to go to the London to do Ooh, comedy. It's full of famous so, people know, in the London as well. There's always uh, famous people much, in the London. If you do, if you do stand-up once in London, you are pretty much on a level with Michael McIntyre, I've heard. So, <laughs> um, as we all know, I've still kind of got a bit of a fringe and I can shake it like Michael, Michael McIntyre and I can be surprised by how far into the year we are. Oh, I can't believe it's August. Oh, I can't believe it's August. Oh, can you believe it's August? I can't believe it's August. <laughs> yes, Michael McIntyre, we get it. It's a month of the year. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be happening soon. Um... I'm sure when I've got a date, we'll be talking about it on here. Oh, yeah. Um, if you listen to this on Friday, 6th of August, tomorrow, Saturday, the 7th of August, um, my band Raiders plays Manchester at night, people for Deadbolt. So um, come and see us. And then me, Funeral for a Friend, and John Mahon from Kerrang Radio fame are DJing after. So come along. It'll be a laugh. Um, I promise not to lick your face. Wow, that sounds like that'll be a, a very messy, messy night. But it's so nice to see the gigs and festivals and all that are going ahead now. It's nice to be... Yeah. Uh, in a way, I know, yeah. but... In a way, in an absolutely <laughs> terrifying, I'm trying my best not to kill my mother type way. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, I fucking love gigs. There's nobody, right, who loves doing gigs more than me, <laughs> right? Fact. Yeah. I am... At home, I am happy. I am not thinking of anything else when I'm on stage, right? Apart from, you know, if I've got to fucking sing or if I'm about to spew. That's the two things. Really. <laughs> oh, is uh, oh, what's the next word? Or oh, is that some puke? Um, nobody loves being on stage more than me, but there's still a fucking killer virus out there that's um, that's uh, murdering people mm. and maiming people. Mm. So as much as I'm terrified, I'm I'm as excited to play. Also, Raiders' plan um, was not to be one of the first bands back. So we, what we did was we moved our um, dates. We went, oh, let's do as far away from... And this was February last uh, February this year. We were like, let's go as far away as we can. Let's do August. <laughs> It'll be done. Everything will be fine. But, oh, what you are, the week. <laughs> the oh, first band back. Oh. Yeah. oh, that's us. Of course it fucking is. Come on, Sean's luck. Um, but yeah, Liverpool went really well. Um, good. None of us got coronavirus, so that was good. So uh, please come and check us out in Manchester. It's going to be a fucking super fun night, I believe. There's like 7 million other bands playing, and they're all very, very, very good. Nice, nice. Well, speaking of gigs and festivals as well, I'm going to be at Bloodstock Festival next week. <laughs> <laughs> which does not add up whatsoever I've got to say I'm not laughing at Bloodstock Bloodstock's fucking awesome mm. right? if you fucking love metal Bloodstock is fucking fantastic I'm laughing <laughs> at you I sadly sadly I will not be able to make it to Bloodstock as I've got um, a wedding to go to and a Mormon wedding so I've never been to a Mormon wedding um, so I've got to go to that because I want to see what happens because I'd imagine it's going to be different from all the other weddings I've been to. Um, but yes, sadly, I cannot make it a Bloodstock. I'd fucking love to. It's a fantastic mm. lineup. But 
rather than turn it down, we said, <laughs> tell you what we'll do. Let's send Morgan for some chats with people like um, Napalm Death. Yeah, just, you know, as you would imagine, emo kid Morgan Richards will be speaking. Morgan, what was your first, Morgan, what was the first ever gig you went to? Oh, my first ever gig was um, Busted, supported by McFly in Newport Centre 2004. So very, very similar to Napalm Death. So very, very similar. So yes, um, yeah, Morgan is going to be at Bloodstock. If you see him about, please, please treat him with respect. Please treat him kindly. He's going to be scared. He's going to be lonely. He's not going to know anyone there. He's definitely going to have his hair down because it looks more metal with his hair down. Please take him under your wing and comfort him for me if if any of my metal friends are there because um I'm worried about him to be honest. Oh. I'm worried he's gonna he's gonna get bullied by the metalists. <laughs> probably probably. <laughs> That's very nice. I was expecting you to say go and punch him in the face or something like that. So I'll take that. But no, yes, not at all. I will yeah. I will be at Bloodstock. I'll be recording things <laughs> for Sapling Podcast and some extra bits for our Patreon, social media oh. and all that. I don't know what's going to happen either, but it's definitely going to be something worth checking out. So keep an eye out for that. And if you see me, do come in, shout Sapman, say hey, have a laugh. Yeah, Morgan at Bloodstock, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, if you do see Morgan at Bloodstock and um, he is crying, leave him be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, please speak to Napalm Death. I fucking love her. That'd be so good. Finally, together at last. Yeah. Who does everybody want together? Well, it's got to be Morgan and Napalm Death, haven't it? That's fucking brilliant. I hope it happens. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking great lineup. I mm. get it. I can't be there. Um, but again, I've got a Mormon wedding and I've never been to one. I haven't got a clue what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what happens at these moments where we're gonna have very different weekends. Not the same. (laughs) Very. Me and you couldn't have had more polar opposite weekends, right? And to be honest, people would expect. I'm imagining people would probably expect that to be the other way around. Yeah, maybe. Like, you were going to a Mormon wedding, and I'd be going to the metal festival. No, couldn't be further from the truth. I'm going to the Mormon wedding, which I'd imagine is going to be lights on and finished by 10, and you are going to be dancing with the devil for three days. Literally, Um, literally, wow. But there we Unbelievable. are. There we are. But as I said, there'll be stuff for the podcast, our social media, and our Patreon page. So if you head over to patreon.com yes. forward slash Sapnin, there's exclusive content you can only get via being a supporter of the podcast through there. A wonderful community of people that help each other, give each other gifts all the bloody time. They're absolutely awesome. And you get announcements. People are making more from the Patreon than we are. That is true. Right? That's that's a fact. Via pre- if, if it's not present, mm. it's fucking tickets. It's fucking <laughs> hanging out. It's fucking food for each other. Yeah. It's sending each other drinks whenever they go to clubs and bars mm. and stuff. They put their table numbers up and then they get inundated. Everybody involved with the Patreon has made as much, if not more, than us so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So join the Patreon. Oh, it's worth joining. Even if you're in a band, just join because you meet loads of other people in bands, and then ultimately, at some point, we're bound to do a sapping fest, I'd imagine, because I know I'd like to do it very, very much, and there's loads of bands in there, um, and we've got all walks of bands as well. It's not just, like, emo bands. It's, like, metal bands. There's pop-punk bands. Uh, there's, like, classic rock bands. Yeah, yeah. There's There's all sorts from all walks of life, from fucking signed bands to fucking... 
brand new bands and um, even people working behind the scenes we've got a lot of tour managers people who used to work in A&R people who've worked for some of the biggest bands PR, in the yeah. world are in that group as well surprisingly yeah, <laughs> so well, it's I, I, yeah some producers yeah it's, it's fucking yeah. mad yeah it's a it's a mad ba- it's a mad fucking selection of um beautiful beautiful uh loving degenerates that i appreciate more than life itself thank you very much to everybody who's involved in our patreon um we love you very very much and while we're saying thank you if you head over to the description of this episode there's loads of names from the patreon i've put in there to thank but sean now needs to give a mahoosive shout out to the elite members of our sapling podcast community those are the top tiers and this is what they have to say hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What do you mean what they have to I say? I don't know. More. This is Thank what you sh- very much. Yeah, yeah, too late now. We've done it. Thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Leaveaway, Mikey McDonald's, McMuffin Buns, Janelle Caston, Mitch Perry, Kelly Young, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Ewan, Liam Connolly, Drew Styles, Paul Hirschfield, Nathan Croshaw, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Shani Meyer, Boxer Anderson, Tony Michael, Amandine Urbano, Kat Besant, Captain Annabel, Jenny Robson, Murray Grimwood, Mike Oxmall, Johnny Phillips, Amy Campion, Caroline Robson, Caitlin Richards, Kevin Clark, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Lydia Henderson, Danny Eaton, Carl Pendlebury, James McNaught, Jenny Sexyboy Munster, Kate Stevenson, Lucy Deards, Emily Senegals, John and Emma, Kelly Cannon, Livy Cropper, Jason Aredia, Becky Andy, Stuart McNaught, Adam King of the Goss Parslow, Ollie, Ollie Amesbury, Chris Howard, Alice Wood, Josh told my girlfriend she was drawing her eyebrows to eye. She looked surprised, Chris. <laughs> Thank you very much. Daniel Stevenson, Reese Bowring, Craig Gervin, Amy Chilvers, Ben Evans, Mark Jones, and by last but not least, Connor Lewins and family. Woo! Thank you very much to all of those people. Honestly, you keep us going, as well as anybody else who is involved with our Patreon. Um, if you've thought about um, joining, thank you very much, but fucking do it. And also, yeah, thank you to anybody who's previously been um, a member of the Patreon as well. That doesn't go unnoticed, and we still appreciate you very, very much. Yes, and thank you to anyone who's listened this far. Go and give us a follow on our social media pages, at Pod. Send us a message, give us some suggestions, saying what you've enjoyed from this episode. 
whatever. We just like to hear from you and to have a little chat. But this has been another great episode. I'm excited for a few things we've got coming up in the coming weeks that's going to surprise you, especially with next week's podcast. And it's just going to be a jolly good time. Yes, yes. Also, um, friends of the podcast, Junior, are going on tour August the 10th um, in the UK. Check out musicajunior.com because that band is fucking awesome. And I've just heard some of their new songs that they're demoing at the moment. And they are big rock anthems. Ooh. So, yes. Oof. Oof. Fantastic. Check them out, musicajunior.com. Um, yes. That's it. That's Should we it. go? Yes. We'll see you next week. Nice one. Dan said it is done. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>